welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 2nd of May 2010, entitled, Dedicating a Child to God, the Dedication of Jamie Ashley Weir, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 7, 21 and 22. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Open your Bibles for our scripture reading this morning to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke chapter 2, and I'd like to read three verses. First of all, I'd like to read verse 7, and then I'd like to skip down to verse 21 and 22. Verse 7, speaking, of course, the Virgin Mary as she was giving birth to the Lord Jesus Christ, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 21 says, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much again for this time that you have allowed us here today. We thank you for each one, Lord, that has been given health and strength and the opportunity of being here. Father, now as we come to this point in the service, when we look into your word, Lord, we realize so fully well that without you that nothing can be accomplished. Father, we ask not that just words could be read from a page, though these be the most precious pages that we have. We pray that by the power of thy Spirit that you might anoint and make these words alive into our hearts. You know each individual here this morning. You know the need of each and every heart. And while those needs are beyond our human abilities to, to fill, but Lord, as we commit this time and uh, all that we do here today into your hands, we pray that you would speak to each heart and each one would be receptive and responsive to that which you have for them. And Lord, we especially pray for uh, Karen and uh, little Jamie this morning. We pray that your hand would be upon them, that this might be a special time of encouragement, and Lord, that she might find courage and strength in knowing, Lord, that you're there with her through all that the future holds as she raises this child to adulthood. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Dedicating a child to the Lord. What I've even had some ask me, what's it all about? And of course, we find that as we look at a few portions of Scripture this morning, I hope that if you don't fully know what it's about now, that you will after we look into God's Word. Basically, as we look into God's Word, the time that has been set aside here this morning is for the parent of this child to bring this child and to present it, dedicate it to the Lord. First of all, for the child itself that God's hand would be upon that child, both in protection and all that the future holds for her, and of course for the parent also, that God's hand would be upon this parent as she strives to raise this child in a loving family, home environment, raises her up to recognize and know and love the Lord Jesus Christ that Karen herself knows. Now, you'll notice that there's no font and there's no baptism. And as we look through the Scriptures, we'll find, I think, that one of the reasons that we do what we hear today is because this is what we find in Scripture that godly parents did with their children. I'd like to remind you, first of all, if you look back into Genesis chapter 33, and in Genesis chapter 33, notice as we see here in verse 5, it says, And he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, Who are those with thee? And he said, The children which God hath graciously given thy servant. And of course, this was the first meeting of Jacob and Esau after their uh, falling out. As they came back together, of course, when they left, they hadn't had a family. But as they come back, there are these children. An acknowledgment is made here that these children that are now with him are a gift from the Lord. 
We also find in Psalm 127, there's only five verses to this psalm, but they hold so very much truth. Karen, I would remind you, first of all, this psalm begins with, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You know, we can have all of the best intentions in all of the world. But there's not a human being here this morning, nor that has ever lived, that ever will live, that in the first place is not going to make some mistakes along the way. There's not a human being that aren't going to face some obstacles that just seem too big. But the one thing that we can count on, as we have sang about already this morning, is our God in heaven. And the Bible is just giving us a very simple fact here, that with all of our efforts, none of us can do what God can do. And with all of our efforts to build a home, God has something that is beyond us that can help us in that, that it might be a home that would be a home that would honor Him. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Verse 3 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are an heritage of the Lord. There's something that is precious that is given to us by Him. All life is given by God Almighty. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And we can collect a lot of things in this life that have all kinds of different values to them. But there are very few things, the children being one, that we can hope to carry from this life into eternity with us. And they are far more precious, yes. <laughs> I know that uh, I gave my parents a few heartaches along the way. <laughs> and if you're honest, I'm sure that you did as well. And some of you that are here that are parents today, you've already experienced some of those heartaches that have come your way. But through all the difficult and challenging times that we would go with those children, they're still, they're the reward of the womb. They're the greatest heritage that we can have in this life. They are a life that's created by God Himself, but in such a unique way that that child is part of both that father and that mother. That child is unique like no one else in all the world, and He's God's gift to you. So if we recognize in the first instance that these children are a gift from God, why do we want to come and dedicate them to the Lord? What is the whole purpose behind this special time that has been set aside here this morning? Well, I want to give you three reasons, and you can maybe come up with some others. But the first one is because that it is biblical. If as Christians... We want to live our lives in a way that would honor God, then we want to do them in the way that God's Word has given us, commanded us, instructed us. Men's ideas sometimes can be good and sometimes can be bad. But God's are never bad. And they're never wrong. Unlike infant baptism, which I would challenge anyone, though many times, I'm sure as I look across this congregation here this morning, I'm sure that there are many here that were baptized as babies, that were christened in some church. And it was done with the best of intentions in most cases because those parents had good intentions behind it. But what I'm saying to you, bottom line, is that it accomplishes absolutely nothing. It is found nowhere in the Word of God. But we find that what we're doing here today is God's way for that parent to be able to express their heart's desire, for that child to be in the care of God, to be raised in His knowledge. We do find 
parents presenting and dedicating their children to God in Scripture. I want to give you just a couple of illustrations. If you would like to turn in your Bibles, first of all, in the Old Testament to the book of Judges, chapter 13. Most of us will recognize the name of this child, but we recognize him from the great feats that were accomplished in his adult life. His name was Samson. And of course, many would credit him as at least one of the strongest men that ever lived on the face of the earth. But I want you to notice something about Samson. As we look in chapter 13, begin reading in verse 2. The Bible says, And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not. In other words, physically, it was impossible for this woman to bear a child. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the, the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. And now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us, and teach us what we shall do until the child shall be born. God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. The woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me that came unto me the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Art thou the man that speakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? The angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall make ready a kid for thee. The angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread. And if thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name? When thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honor. The angel of the Lord said unto him, Why hearkest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord, and the angel did wondrously, and Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came to pass, when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, that the angel of the Lord ascended into the flame of the altar, and Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die, because we have seen God. But his wife said unto him, If the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering in our hands, neither would he have showed us all these things, nor would as at this time have told us such things as these. And the woman bare a son, and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and notice, and the Lord blessed him. Why do we all recognize Samson's name in adulthood? Because God's blessing was upon him as a child. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshol. Now, Samson was a gift to a barren woman that could not even bear a child with 
God's hand upon that child. He tells us here, even before the child was conceived in the womb, the whole time that he was there, and of course when he came out, the hand of the blessing upon him. These parents were seeking instruction from God, even before this child came into this earth, as to how are we to raise this child? What are we to do with this child? We find that the Lord's blessings were there. Turn just a few pages over in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 1. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, notice beginning in verse 20, it says, Well, for it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. The woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. Verse 24, And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the, and the child was young. And she slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Now we find again that in this instance that this mother was already praying and asking God for this child before the child was even born. But then this child was taken, and of course, we think now of when you lend something to someone that we're giving something temporarily that we're going to get back at a later date. But the word in the Hebrew that's translated lent here doesn't mean something that you're giving temporarily. As a matter of fact, she makes it very, very specific there. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as... He liveth his whole life. And the word lent really carries back to almost the same thing that she says that she was doing before the child was born when she went and prayed and entreated of God and asked God for this child. The word lent here literally has, she was pleading with God to take this child as long as he lived. It was her desire that this child, she knew, that it was a gift from God. She had asked God for this child. God had given her this child, and now she wanted this child to be in God's hands and God's control all of its life. Now, these aren't the only examples, but I just want you to see this morning that it is a biblical practice that goes back into the Old Testament, and then we've already looked in our text for this morning in the New Testament that even Jesus Christ Himself, I mean, Jesus was God. And yet we find that even Jesus Christ Himself, His mother came and presented Him to the Lord because it was her desire for this child to have God's hand upon it. So why are we doing what we're doing here this morning for baby Jamie? Because throughout Scripture, that's what grateful parents that are grateful for the wonderful gift that God has given to them more than anything that they can ever give that child in its life, they can offer him that relationship with the Lord. None of us, none of us, there's not a parent that is alive that can make a choice for their child as to their spiritual life and what they will do. But that child can be offered to the Lord and presented to the Lord. And those prayers can be prayed and asked that the Lord's blessings will be upon it. 
And so we do what we do here this morning because it's biblical. I'm not here to try to straighten out all the others that are doing their baptizing and christening. That's between them and God. But I'm saying we don't do that because it's found nowhere in the Word of God. Now we find that here in our reading in in chapter 2, that when it says that when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, I am well aware that there are many that would try to say that baptism took the place of the circumcision that took place here. But folks, that's man's idea. We find that nowhere in the Word of God that it says that that took the place. The only baptism we find in Scripture is that which a person chooses for themselves as an identification of themselves when they choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with their life. And so I'm saying that we do this because it's biblical. It honors God. It's what grateful parents do with children as they present and dedicate that child back to God. Not only is it biblical, we do it because it's beneficial. You see, Karen wants the very best for her child. Just as every good parent in the world, they want the very best for their child. They want their child to be able to to have more than they've had. They want their child to be able to, to succeed farther than they've succeeded. And I believe that goes true in the natural life as well as the spiritual life. We want what is best for baby Jamie this morning. We want what will benefit the most in that child's life. As Christian parents, we know that the greatest benefit that any child can have is going to be found in God, not in this world. There are just a few benefits that I'll share with you, and there's certainly many, many, many more. But again, if you look with me into uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, and in verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. You see the eyes of the Lord. He sees what we don't see. He knows what tomorrow and next week and next month and all the future days hold for this child. And so we find that it's God's care that we want for that child because He can better protect that child, and He can better prepare that child for the things that she will face in the future. In Psalm 125, verse 2, the Word of God says, As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about His people from henceforth even forever. God is always there. He never has a sick day. His line is never busy. If you try to get through, you won't find it engaged because he's too busy with someone else. The Word of God teaches us that he is always there for us. In Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16, we find that the Word of God tells us once again, And they brought young children to him, to the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking of, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. The disciples, they're they're bringing these small children to Jesus. But these, and again, you know, his disciples weren't bad people. They were good people. They walked with the Lord. And yet they thought this was too much trouble for Jesus to be bothered with these little children. But when Jesus saw it, He was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up 
in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Oh, they didn't think that, they thought this was just too small a matter for somebody as important as the Lord Jesus Christ. But he not only took these children and blessed them, he told these with all of their natural intelligence, hey, unless you come to me as humble, as faithful, as this little child, you won't enter into the kingdom. All of your knowledge and all of your know-how and all of those things is not going to get you there. It's humbly comely to the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that he also tells us, of course, Proverbs is known as the book of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 4, notice what he says. Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. When I give you good doctrine, the word doctrine is teachings. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not. She shall perceive thee. Love her. She shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. When thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked. And go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. They sleep not except have done mischief. Their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put away from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding that thou mayest regard discretion that thy lips may keep knowledge. Why do we do what we're doing here today? First of all, because it's biblical. Secondly, because it's beneficial for this child. This mother wants God's care upon this child. And God's wisdom is what we're reading about here. We learn many things in this world, but if we learn them all without the wisdom of God, they will be worthless in the end. Notice in Psalm 148, Psalm 148, Verses 12 and 13 says, Both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For His name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalted the horn of His people, the praise of all His saints, even of the children of Israel, 
a people near unto him, praise ye the Lord. We find that it is this mother's desire for herself to offer praise to the Lord for his goodness in giving her this wonderful gift of this child. And it is her desire that this child would grow up to recognize that goodness and herself offer that praise to God for his goodness. And of course, in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart, and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. You see, another thing that Karen wants for this child, as each and every one of us as parents, number one, you know, I guess from, from my children's youngest age, I've hoped and wished within me so much they wouldn't make some of the same stupid mistakes that their dad made. <laughs> some of them, they just got to learn for themselves. You can't do anything about it. But you want to protect them. You want them to know. And, and of course, what we find here is that the only way that we can truly help in, a, in any real sense for a life of purity for baby Jamie is through God, through His protection, through raising her in those things. And there are many things in this world that will try to draw her away from the pure things of God. There are many evils in this world that would do everything that they can to harm and even to destroy. But this mother is here today to present this child to God because she wants to do what is biblical, because she wants to do what is beneficial for this child, for God's care to be upon it, for wisdom and purity and praise and these things to be a part of Jamie's life for as long as she lives. But may I remind you also, Karen, that not this is not just some religious right that we carry out for the sake of custom, that we carry out because, well, just everybody does it. I've been there. I've seen parents that probably had had nothing whatsoever to do with God since they themselves were christened, and then bring the child into the church and make all these promises to God when God is no part of their life. You see, today, by bringing Jamie here and asking God's hand to be upon her, that's a wonderful thing. But the only thing that that can ever, the only way that that will ever truly happen is because that the parent, in this case, Karen, is serious about what she's doing. It takes more than just some ceremony. There's not some magical thing that's going to happen here today because of this blessing that we ask upon this child that nothing will ever happen wrong to her in her life, that nothing bad will ever come her way. But we are praying and seeking that this child would know the protection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that this child can have a providence that's before her, that her future, that she can have that confidence, not in this life, but in the life to follow, in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there is no commandment in the Bible that commands us to do what we do here today. What's happening here today is a matter of the heart of this mother. It's something that a parent does from within. And it should only be done when a parent is serious about what they're doing. It's not something that should be taken lightly we find that along with the benefits of presenting and dedicating this child to God, along with that come great responsibilities as well. One of the greatest responsibilities that we'll ever face in this life is how we raise our children. 
These parents that on the one hand would think that some religious ceremony or some sanctified water would somehow protect that child for now in eternity are simply misled. We find that today, this parent, Karen, is dedicating this child to God because of her love for Jamie. But as she dedicates this child to God, she is also rededicating her life to the Lord because the promises that she makes today are promises that she makes not to me, not to this church, not to any church anywhere, but to God Himself. Also in Ecclesiastes and in chapter 5, we find that the Word of God says very clearly, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. There was a time, and it's not that many years past, when I'm sure that many of you here today will remember that John, when, when, when two men put out their hands and they shook hands, a man's word was his bond. You didn't need all these contracts that were signed and you didn't have to have the attorneys that had to go through and, and, and uh, approve everything and put their seals upon it. A person's word was their bond. And that's what the Word of God is saying, that as far as God is concerned, be careful about the words that you speak. He says, when you're speaking to God, I wouldn't just rattle on. Let your words be few. Make sure that what you say is right. And he says, when you make a vow, when you make a promise, you owe that debt. Make sure that you keep it. Make sure that you pay it. The Scriptures teach us very clearly that it's better not to make a vow than to make one and break it. You see, in dedicating a child to God, we're not only asking God to do His part, because I can assure you He will do His part and He will get it right, but we're also promising to do our part as parents. It's a binding agreement between God and us, and we are bound together in the responsibilities for little baby Jamie. Jamie is still totally, utterly, completely dependent upon mom or grandmom or granddad or whoever happens to be taking care of her at the time. Totally dependent. She can't yet get up and dress herself and go in and fix her own breakfast and take care of those things herself. Somebody has to do it all for her. As she grows... She will become more independent. She'll be able to take more of those things on herself. But right now, the responsibility, this responsibility lies on the mother, the grandparents, and of course, Karen today has asked two of the young ladies in our church to be godparents to this child. That's not as common a thing today as at one time, and godparents don't mean the same thing today as it did at one time. You realize at one time when godparents first came into being, it was more from a practical standpoint because it was so common for mothers to die young, to lose their lives in childbirth and all this, and in most cases, their mothers before them had already lost their lives. And therefore, godparents were chosen so that if something happened to that mother, there would be somebody there to take that child in and to care for it so that it didn't literally end up destitute on the street. 
Well, by God's goodness, we live in a society where that most of the time the parents outlive the children, right? No? <laughs> I don't think so. We find that most times now, the parents at least are able to live until those childs are into adulthood. And of course, most of the time, the grandparents are still around. And so the role of a godparent has taken on a different meaning. And today, it's not something that's asked because of the practical needs. But what Karen has asked in asking Tinica and Shelley to be godparents to this child is that she's asked them to come alongside her, to support her, to be an encouragement, to be a help to her in raising this child in the things of God. Karen will need encouragement at times. There's going to be some tough days ahead. There's going to be times when everything has gone as rosy and perfect as you would have wanted to have done. But we find that these two are going to be making promises to Karen here today that they will do everything in their ability to be there for her alongside this child to be sure that the, this child is raised with the love and the care, and the admonition of the Lord that it needs. What responsibilities are you bound to? Well, there are many, but Karen, I'd like to give you just a, a few things from God's Word that I believe scripturally are clearly binding upon you as a mother. First of all, in Titus chapter 2 and in verse 4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. This is what the older ladies in the church are supposed to be doing for the younger ladies in the church, teaching them to love that child. You know, there are so many tangible things that you can give to a child, and many times people, if you would, try to buy that relationship. But Karen, one of the greatest things that you will ever give to that child is just your true, heartfelt love. Love her with all of your heart. God has given her to you as a gift, as a very special gift. And she needs to be loved, and she needs to be cared for. And of course, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and in verse 14, the Word of God shows us something else that is binding upon you as a parent. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours but you, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Not only to love her, but to provide for her, to meet her needs. Now, that doesn't mean that, uh, as with most children, that she'll ever have everything that she thinks that she needs. It's interesting as they begin to be able to communicate. It's, it's interesting a lot of times the things that they need. I need this, Mommy. I need this, Daddy. When they're not needs at all. But you have a responsibility to love that child, to care for that child. And of course, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6 and verse 4. The Bible says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What does it mean to bring this beautiful little girl up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? Well, nurture is simply speaking of correction, discipline. She's not going to know what's right and wrong. She's not going to know what's dangerous and what's not dangerous. And sometimes she's going to have to be corrected, and she's going to have to be disciplined. The word admonition, well, the definition says it's advice of a fault, administering mild reproof, caution against danger and error, to warn of something to be avoided, to charge with authority. You see, the truth is, is they need to be corrected, but they also need to be counseled at the same time. 
It's not just a matter of saying, don't do that, but teaching them why that they're not to do that. Teaching them why that they're to do that. Christian discipline is necessary for a child. And if that child is to ever have any respect for its parents, any reverence for God, if it's to maintain any kind of godly principles and standards in its life, if it's develop any kind of self-control, then it's going to come because you take these responsibilities seriously to love, to provide, to nurture. And then, of course, we find that it goes without saying. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and in verse 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. doesn't leave you much time out of the day. <laughs> the truth is, is that everything that we do, our very lives that we live, it's not just the words that we're speaking, but the examples that we make that it should always continually and constantly be teaching this child diligently in the things of God. What God says is right. What God says is wrong. And of course, the Bible teaches us in a very familiar passage in Proverbs chapter 22 and in verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, Karen, there's absolutely no guarantees that anybody can give you today that one day Jamie will grow up and put her same faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as you have. But your responsibility is to teach her and train her even from an early age that she would know the importance of that in her life. And, of course, the truth comes back again. You know, all of us, how many of you have ever heard the uh, saying, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? <laughs> Why is that? Because the older we get, the more hard-headed we get. The older we get, the fact is it's harder to teach us new things when we've gotten set in our ways already. It's vital and important while her heart is tender that we teach her and train her. And what the Bible is simply saying here, that if you'll train that child in the way that she should go, that when she's old, she can't depart from those things that you've taught her. She'll make her own choices in life, but those things have been placed within her. They'll be with her always. And even if she chooses and makes some bad choices in life, the truth is, is that the truth has been placed there. And I want to give you this final one, and this is something that I would like for and hope that each and every individual here this morning can take to heart. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, notice what it says in verse 36 and 37. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The simple truth is, is that one of the greatest things that can ever be done for this child is to point her to the Lord Jesus Christ. If she gains everything that this world has to offer, but it, in the end, it cost her her soul, what has she really gained? See, why are we so serious? Why is it so important to us as Christians? And you see, the thing is, it's vital and it's important that we're not just Christians in name because we live in a Christian nation or because that somebody had us christened when we were a baby. But it's important that as individuals, we have made that choice and recognized that as sinners, our Creator has done everything that He possibly could. When Jesus Christ gave Himself, He died upon the cross. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us compare to God's glory. 
The wages of sin is death. It was one sin in the garden that brought all the death and upheaval and bad things that you see in this life. That's the result of sin. And it's something that's been passed on to each and every one of us. Nobody could point their finger and say, oh, you horrible sinner. We're all sinners here today. The important question is, have you been saved by grace? Have you confessed that you're a sinner? Because that verse doesn't stop when it says the wages of sin is death. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's God that has given this gift of this child here today. And it's God that gave the gift of His child. When that verse that probably most of you can quote in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, the truth is today is that the very best of us, I'm not even going to tell you how old I am today, but I'm not as young as I used to be. But the sad thing is it doesn't seem that long since I was that young. <laughs> At the very best, this life goes by quickly and it's gone. But the truth is, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, <laughs> Christ died for you. He died your sins, that your sins could be forgiven. It's sin that brings death. God wants to give you life. God wants to give you a life that's eternal, that's everlasting. For with the heart, just as it's the heart that has brought this mother to bring this baby here today, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And the truth is today is that it's in your heart. Do you know? Has your sin problem been dealt with? Because there is no more important question today. And there's certainly, that with all that this mother desires for both of these children that she has, and with all that she can give them, all the love and all the material things in this life, there is nothing, nothing that is of more value, nothing else that will last for eternity that she can give to them except to try by her life and her witness and her testimony and her teaching to point them to the same Lord Jesus Christ that wants to forgive each and every one of us. Here today, God will surely do His part. The question that I'm going to ask Karen at this time, in remembering all that we have said about the importance of the vows that are made, I'm going to ask you and Tenica and Shelley and Aaron can stand with you as well, and little baby Jamie, just to stand right here before me at this, at this time. And I'm going to ask you first of all, Karen, that as you come today to present this child to the God, first of all, that you know in your heart with certainty, you know that you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that that's what you want for your children. As you stand here today, do you promise for Jamie, Ashley, where? Do you promise to love her with all of your heart? Do you promise to provide for her needs to the very best of your ability? Do you promise to nurture, admonish her in the things of the Lord, to teach her God's Word both by His Word and your lifestyle? to train this child in the way that, that she should go. Though we realize that we all make mistakes and we're all imperfect, to be the best example you can, not just with words, but to show this child what it means to love the Lord and to live for the Lord. For you yourself to be faithful to God and to His Word and to faithfully teach it to them. To be faithful in coming together with your church family, and bringing this child up in a way that she can know the love of God. 
Do you promise that though you can never make that decision for her, that it will be your goal and your desire that she would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ personally in her own life in the same way that you do as her mother? You promise these things before Almighty God today. Shelley and Tenica, as godparents to this child, do you promise to support Karen, to encourage her in her spiritual life, to be there to support and encourage her in the teaching and training of this child, to do everything that you can both by your words and by example to show this child the pathway to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, you know that many times, I guess if it were a marriage ceremony, you'd say, till death do us part. But the truth is, that's what these promises are for today. Is it forever that she can count upon you and that this mother And at the same time that I have asked this mother to make these promises today, I charge and ask each and every one of you here that are part of this church, because you see, the church is not this building of mortar that we meet in. This church is the people that are joined together, like faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are a family. Though we all have individual physical families in this world, We are a family in the fact that each and every one of us, we've been bought with a price. We're part of God's family through the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, I want to ask you today that at the same time that this mother from her heart is presenting this child and dedicating him to God, making these promises herself, that as a church, that you promise to support and to pray for her to be there, to encourage her. It doesn't matter if it's 3 a.m. in the morning. It doesn't matter whether things are going good or whether things are going bad. The truth is that you promise as a church that you'll be there to encourage and support this mother and this child. If you do that, can I hear an amen from all of you in the church that promise to do that? Amen. And as these have promised here, Not because that this preacher has anything. Matter of fact, it's only by God's grace that I stand here. And it's not my touch that will accomplish anything today. But at this time, as a sinner saved by grace, I want to humbly take this child before the Lord. And we want to present her to the Lord here this morning. And do pray. God's hand and God's blessing would be upon this child, upon this mother, upon this family, and that God would help us as her friends and as her church family to be the encouragement and the support that she needs. Now, the question is, is Jamie going to come to me (laughs) and be happy enough? (laughs) Let's, Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessings upon us. Our Father and our God, it is with special, a special privilege that we come today. Lord, as we hold this dear, beautiful child in our arms, we realize, Lord, that it's not our arms or our hands that she needs today, though she does need that. Above all else, it's for your hand to be upon her. Lord, that you would hold her near to you. Lord, as Karen comes to present Jamie today, Lord, she does this from her heart, Lord, because that it is her desire that she gives you thanks and praise for this wonderful gift that you have given to her. Lord, that your hand would be upon her, that this child would would be raised in a happy home, and that, Lord, one day would come to be able to put her same faith herself in you that the mother has. I pray that not only will your hand be upon Jamie, but I pray that your hand would be upon Karen in a very special way. She has a tremendous responsibility before her. 
Lord, I pray that you would help her in this, that you would be a strength and encouragement to her. And Father, for these two godparents that stand here by the mother's side, Lord, I pray that you would help them to be a strength and an encouragement to Karen and to Jamie and to Aaron as he stands here as well. And Father, we realize that though we would desire to do everything within our power, that today it's a power beyond ours that we're asking for and we're seeking in this child's life. And Father, we do pray that, Lord, through the teaching, through the life that's lived before her, we pray that this child would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in a very real way. And, Lord, would be willing. Lord, at the time that she comes to realize and understand for herself, to put her faith in the same Lord that we follow here today. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. My beard finally kept her happy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.